This week's podcast brought to you by Corporal Mumbo Jumbo. Yesterday, I was attempting to clean the basement in like the deepest, darkest corner of our unfinished basement, and I found a big Tupperware bin, and inside it, there were notebooks from when I was in college. I got rid of those, but there were also a couple of shoeboxes full of photos, and um, my cleaning ended because I started looking at the photos. Some of them were from when I was in middle school, high school, and beyond, and um, it was an absolute delight finding pictures that I didn't even remember I had. And that's one of the feelings our children will never have because everything, every picture they take is right there in their phone. They're aware of it. They put it in, put them in folders. Like they have everything right there. They will not know the delight of finding an old photo. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. So I think just yesterday, I was listening to parts of our last podcast, and can I say I was horrified, horrified by my math when we were trying to figure out um, how tall our family is standing on one another's heads. You had me at horrified, horrified. You didn't yeah, have to add, I mean, uh, it you're, could have been anything. You're the, um, the, the math deficient one. I, I was... Uh, estimating all right say each of our each of us was six and a half feet tall then you go 13 26 and I went to 49 instead of 39 um you thought our family was collectively 49 feet tall well no I meant because then right after that I said you know so close to 40 um so I just said the wrong number and my my brain I think was adding it up right but my mouth and my brain weren't communicating at the time but fortunately we have our resident statistician Mark Simon, who tweeted uh, the number, and he said, if I did this right in my head without writing it down, he was specific to say those things, like, you know, give him a little grace if, if he's not exactly right. He said, your combined family height is 37 feet, 3 inches. So I will trust Mark Mark's head not writing it down more than I will trust my my trying to multiply uh, 13 times three, because so, I failed miserably. At so that. we're not as tall as the green monster, and we're never going to reach the heights of the Hollywood sign. Well, that was, no, so, well, what would we need? Five more inches? Do you, we, we, we mentioned last week, we only have two who are still growing. They need to get to 38 feet. And we're at 37 feet, three inches. Yeah, we're not going to get nine more inches, are we, collectively? Nine more inches. Um, well, let's see. Our youngest is 5'10". Say, like, I wouldn't be shocked if she got to, like, 6'3". So that's five more inches. I can't imagine our son's getting four more inches. So, no, we're not going to get to the green monster. I'm looking right now at the movie poster for Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. <laughs> our daughter, our oldest, sent me that, actually. Did she? Recently, yes. Why? Or I, actually, she didn't send that to me. She posted it on social media because she had taken a picture of herself in her college full-length mirror. I don't know if it, if it was on. It might have been on her TikTok account or something. And she did very much look like the, the is it the 40-foot woman? 50-foot 50 50 She did very much look like that. And um, so she posted that and said, I actually haven't seen the movie. Well, she just, um, didn't she text you today to say that she was having a dress delivered for the Taylor Swift concert? Yes, a dress that she ordered from Etsy, a and, handmade uh, outfit. And to Crickets, I replied to her, if, if if your Taylor Swift dress doesn't fit, you need to have it tailored swiftly. <laughs> no, she responded. She gave you the, like, good Pat one on or something. Um, we could be as tall as the Green Monster if, like, cheerleaders... We don't stand on each other's shoulders or head as you had um, suggested, but you know how as cheerleaders they like 
one of them they stand with their arms, hands yeah. straight up and the, the cheerleaders feet are on their hands we would reach it easily if um if that's how we measured our family's height we could also add the dogs true true but uh but anyway thank you mark for cleaning up our math messes and as soon as we finish this podcast rebecca i'm leaving this to you to measure the dogs well this weekend was also the uh, today as we record this on tuesday i think they've announced the nominations for the tony awards oh did they i don't know what's on broadway or what's up for tony's but i do know that uh, it was appropriate because our daughter and her classmates made their theatrical debuts this weekend in the school play, the first school play at the school in more than 15 years. years. Yeah. 15 years. And um, they should all get a Tony nominations. I mean, it was uh, it was and, unbelievable. And, and the, the teachers who directed and choreographed should all get Tony nominations Wardrobe, as well. makeup, uh, stagecraft, props. The, it was The dad of the teacher phenomenal. who... who it was telling me he was making the uh, stage prop crates right up until days before the opening night. Two sold-out shows in what I can only describe as quintessential middle school theater awesomeness. It was it was spectacular. The kids were tremendous. Keep in mind, this is a small school. There's only one grade, one class per grade. Fifth through eighth graders could participate. I think they ended up having about 25-ish kids who were part of the show. It was Godspell Junior. I remember seeing Godspell when I was like in middle school. So I remembered many of the songs. I don't know if my mom was like playing the soundtrack for us before we went to see the show. The, um, the main banger was uh, Day by Day. Oh, yeah. It was, but the, all of the songs were great. The kids did an incredible job. Um, our daughter had a couple of lines. She, she did not have any singing parts. At one point, one of the girls um, in the show who had had a singing solo later also tap danced admirably. She was terrific. Um, I was blown away by how well done this play was for fifth through eighth grade. It was terrific. And what a value it was to have uh, school play at all after 15 years without one, you could see that some of these kids who are obviously younger than the the drought of no drama club at the school the yeah. 15 years were just waiting for somebody to turn on a spotlight, give them a Madonna microphone give headset. Give them a song to sing. Give them a song to sing, give them something to tap dance to, and and give them a stage. It was... Uh, it, yes. Um, one of the parents who I have coached basketball with at this school for the last 12, 13 years. Um, he said to me after the first show, because there were two shows, he said, um, 15, 15 of the kids in the play, we coached at some point while they were at the school. <laughs> he had spent time counting. And, uh, and the great part of it was some of those kids who weren't particularly comfortable on the stage of a basketball court, were incredibly comfortable on the stage while singing and having their Madonna mic on and uh, just in their element. I wonder why. There were there were no parents yelling at the kids on stage to <laughs> go over there. You need to be over there. Sing louder. There was none of that. There there was there I There's mean, not really a lot of that in the in second and third grade, Mike, as maybe you there is a little bit of You don't think there are parents saying, telling the kids what to do in sports, no, even right, if it's even right. if it's in a but well-meaning, friendly way. Right. Triple the ball. But that wasn't what, I, that's not really what I'm talking about. Some of these kids, they don't look like they're at home well, of course. on certain courts or certain fields, but they look at home on the stage singing these songs and dancing these dances and um, and they want to do another one it's great and it was awesome and and the sort of the climax of the play is um when jesus is uh crucified on um, like a on like a dry cleaning rack or yeah something, it, was. it was like on a hanging rack for uh to steam your clothes and his hands are just um 
And by the way, that stagecraft was fantastic. It was. Like, it was at perfect. one point, a, a bucket of water is dumped on somebody's head, and, and they, they upend the bucket, and, and blue, uh, various shades of blue crepe paper streamers come yeah. out. It was awesome. And, um, but because I'm my mother's daughter, as I was watching that, that, that you know, final scene or part of the play like my eyes were just welling up with tears and my brain is going to a million places including like like how great are the arts and theater and like a home for so many kids um, and adults who can't find that sort of safe space other places and um, I don't know it was just it was incredibly moving to me not only because Jesus was dying but because of all of the other bigger things that theater represents and i wasn't a theater kid but man it was it was it was powerful to me but it it wasn't heavy it was kind of uh uh, joyful and it's not just you know a place where kids are comfortable it's it's a form of expression that they don't have any other outlet for you know i mean it's great to hit a three-pointer or something and pump your fist or whatever but you know it's not belting out a, a Broadway musical. No, no, it, it, was, it was just great. And our daughter said to us Friday night, she said to me, uh, how come we don't have a show on Sunday? And I said, do you wish there was a third show? And she said, yeah. Because these kids have been going like pretty much five days a week since the first of the year, just rehearsing and, she, and rehearsing and rehearsing. And she was one of the kids who expressly, not just asked, but demanded that she have no solo, that she, she, she wanted to play a tree. Yes. And played it spectacularly i mean um if you're going to be if you're going to uh, be accused of being a wooden actor playing a tree is <laughs> is method and and so she she had um two kind of branches twigs i guess in either hand and and was felled uh during the course of the of the play and and um so she did her own stunts as well yeah, she she true. took a took a, a fall pratt fall and and did it well. She did. Anyway, I, I so applaud the. It's one of the young teachers at the school, and he took charge, and he was he was the one who uh, who directed the show. And then you had um, two women who helped choreograph the show, whose parents teach at the school. So these two young women in their, I'm guessing, early twenties, um, didn't. Their only connection to the school is that their parents teach there, and they devoted all of this time. To helping these kids as well but um anyway it was it was just delightful i loved every second of it and i'm sure many of our listeners can relate and have had kids or or were kids who were in a school play it was required when i was in middle school in seventh grade so um you know i stood up there and mouthed along the songs but i can i, can, I still remember the, the lyrics it was like a mashup of a bunch of different uh, plays because uh, the opening number was another opening, another show in Philly, Boston, or Baltimore. A, a chance for stage folks to say hello. Another opening of another show, and there were songs from Greece. There was, uh, you know, for, this is when you were in middle school, seventh grade, for, and you had uh, half the cast, which was everybody in the in the grade, was assigned a like a blue and white, um, what they called gingham, yeah, shirt, and the other half was red and white. I was blue and white. And uh, and you know and the lyrics were modified for uh, for right. uh, Catholic school, so it was fee fee fi fi fo fo fum. I saw gum in the auditorium. Not I smell smoke in the auditorium. That was would have been you know way beyond the pale. But right. I found gum in the he, auditorium. He Charlie talk, Brown, he's a clown. You talk about the um, the wardrobe for for Godspell Junior. The kids had to provide their own jeans and white t shirt. And then the the rest of the wardrobe, which was just like a jacket or a shirt or something, uh, our daughter proudly let us know that they uh, they had purchased um, at Goodwill. So, which was perfect. It was like a '70s rock opera kind of yes. vibe. And the jeans, because she doesn't wear jeans, were purchased uh, at our son's while I while you were in Spooky Nook, and I yes. was at our son's uh, AAU tournament in. Manalapan, New Jersey, a man plan a canal Manalapan. Uh, we went to TJ Maxx and got a pair of jeans, and they ended up uh, wardrobe malfunctioning. Before the show on Friday, our daughter put on her brand new jeans that she had purchased exclusively for the show. 
we didn't find this out until afterwards, but when a parent who was helping with the music came over and told me uh, that our daughter's the, the zipper fly to her jeans had broken before the show and she had uh, didn't break character. She stayed in her role as the tree with a bu- using a bunch of um, safety pins to safety pin up the fly. And I guess her daughter had said to this parent, like, can you help me? And the parent said, I, I'm sorry, but no, I can't. I don't think she felt comfortable <laughs> helping safety well, pin that well. part of a, a garment. But so then on Saturday morning, I was back at our local TJ Maxx getting her a new pair of jeans that had a zipper that worked. But, but how perfect. But, you know, saying she didn't break character, she had mentioned some, something funny happening in rehearsal. And she said, oh, but I, I didn't break. And I found that she was after one school play, she was using all of this uh, theater folk language, and she mentioned to me that uh, the play uh, starts at 7, but the house doesn't open until 6.45. The house doesn't open until 6.45. And then she said, uh, with delightful condescension, uh, that means the audience. And, uh, she, you know, stage left, stage right, house left, house right. She's She's got the lingo down. Oh, it's so great. It was just... So, so great. Talk about the theater lingo. I um, I also had the pleasure this past week of being on a conference call uh, for work. And some of the the phrases that were used in this conference call were... Um, this is corporate mumbo-jumbo? Corporate mumbo-jumbo, yeah. This is my, our latest installment of... Cor- we should have Tom, Dick, and Harry do a theme for corporate mumbo-jumbo. Like a little lead into it, musical lead into it. Um we can request that, but for our latest installment of corporate mumbo jumbo, um, one of my f- the phrases I loved was that we are building an ecosystem that serves our fans. We are building an ecosystem that serves our fans. I think that was um, also code for we're updating our website. <laughs> are you sure that wasn't code for we're, we're we're laying off thousands? Yeah. This actually was an outside group speaking. Oh, okay. This wasn't um, ESPN speaking, but yes, touche. And the other one was, um, we're going to dimensionalize these athletes. Dimensionalize? We are going to dimensionalize. Is, is the root of that uh, dementia? verb dementia or dimension? <laughs> dimensionalize. 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 What, is that, what, what does that mean? I Give them multi dimensions. I don't know. Or, I, we, I, I can, you tell can you, guess what it means. Of I, course, I can tell you what it means. No, I can't tell guess me. what it, I can't guess what it's supposed to mean. I, I I know what it actually means. What does it actually mean? We don't know what this means. <laughs> We're gonna show these women in their their tunnel fits and dribbling a basketball. I don't know. I don't know. But it was. Um, I appreciated the enthusiasm and uh, and everything else i just love writing down the corporate mumbo jumbo just so we can talk about it here on the pod we, sh- we should you know like the that insurance company the general it has the general the cartoon general yes we should uh we should get um, a team of animators on our on our budget <laughs> okay and create a similar cartoon uh, military officer corporal mumbo jumbo <laughs> we don't even need a uh, like a moving cartoon, we can have our friend Eric Panky, who was the one who did our um, ball and chain logo. I'm sure he could come uh, up with I'm sure he could come up with like that. that. I'm not sure that we could come up with his feet. That's true. But uh, but Corporal Mumbo Jumbo, um, now I, I, I can Corporal picture him. Corporal Mumbo Jumbo. Would it be an elephant or no? No, no. It would be uh, a it jumbo. Would, it would be the general mascot of the general insurance company. Come to the general, you know. Oh, see, you know, that's I see gonna, it more as a a, a elephant wearing like a something that's like a hat or a jacket or something. How many stripes does a general have? A corporal. We're talking about oh, a corporal. corporal. Right, right, right. I'm sorry, corporal. I, I, I get the whole thing, but my my my, <laughs> my contribution is it's going to be an elephant. Okay. For the jumbo part, um, like the tough, like tufts, the jumbos. Okay. Okay. After the Godspell Junior, um, after the second show, the final show, all of the, many of the cast members went to get an ice cream cone. And our daughter got two scoops, which is fair. 
You know, you're in seventh grade. You just well, performed two shows. You can get a two-scooper. She had 19 decisions to make at the point of purchase, and it was, uh, you know, do you want it in a cup or a cone? In a cone, what kind of a cone? What kinds are there? There are sugar cones. There are waffle cones, and there are those regular sort of styrofoam cones. I forget what they're called. Bad. Well, I kind of like them, but... Uh, oh, do you like those? Those yeah. don't taste very good. The the problem with the sugar cone that she got is the well, paper is where, wrapper. This is where I'm going okay. with the story. So go. It was your cone? Well, eventually. no, it was her cone. She she asked for it, and then how many scoops is the is the next question? And she said, looked at me for the answer. I said, however many you want. So she ordered two. They put they had the the size of the scooper is is crucial here. So they had one of those big scoopers, you know, that that kind of don't have sides. They're not the right. size of you know ours is sort of <laughs> golf ball sized. Yeah. Anyway, she, the the high school girl, to her credit, put on, uh, took out three monster scoops and molded them into two uh, monstrous scoops. I will actually post a picture of this because you were with her. I stayed in the car because it was cold and rainy. And and we're not we're not complaining about about no. too much ice cream. No, it no, was, no. But, but, but it was it was an absurd amount of ice cream though to be on a cone. So the only thing you could do was then ask for a cup, and and invert the cone. And, and I mean, she was in heaven. She's looking at easily more than a quart of ice cream on top was, of her cone. It was cone. like two of those Ben and Jerry size. Uh, yes, it was an it was a massive amount. Again, I'll post I'll post it on our Instagram, um, which I think is at Ball and Chain Pod. But but where were you going? With, you were going with this. Uh, where the, I was going though was so she handed me the cone. So she now handed that it, you the cone that, that still had plenty of ice because cream. Because she had to dump it. the cone into the into the she bowl. She dumped it in the cup. I ate that. And by the way, the kind of cones that I don't like are cake cones. Cake, cake cones? cones, yes. Um, and then you pointed out astutely that it's a huge flaw that sugar cones, when they put that little paper wrapper on it, they glue it to the cone. To, and the, it point, renders to the pointy the part best, of the cone. The best part of the cone Useless. Like my favorite part of the cone is when you get down to like the bottom inch and a half of it, and it still has like the melted ice cream in it, and you and you get the the combined crunch of the cone and the cold yumminess of the ice cream, but you can't if there's paper stuck to it. So there's got to be a better way to do it. Has well, anyone invented a better wrapper for the bottom of a, a sugar cone? Well, you don't need the wrapper. I think you do because they're stacked when they're when they're shipped or when you get them. So I think it keeps it from sticking to the other cone, or maybe it make, makes it so you can pull them out easier when when all the cones are together before you put the ice cream in. That's my assumption is why that's on there. Hmm. Makes sense. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that would be my guess. But do you really need to glue it? Why are you gluing it? I don't know. I I scoop ice cream one. One Popeye forearm to summer uh, at a Tom Thumb convenience store on Old Shakopee. And how long did you hold down that job? Oh, that whole summer. It was you know oh, really? the, the convenience store how closed old were you? at, at mid- I was a uh, senior in high school, maybe freshman in college. I can't remember. It was uh, it was um, uh, Tom Thumb convenience store, and it closed at midnight. And I was working the the uh, four to midnight shift. Thanks, mom and dad. You know. The, uh, you know, it was one of those places that had the height chart on the door frame so that you could mm-hmm. kind of assess the height of the armed robber as he was fleeing. It's a good high school job. Uh, yeah, no, not ideal. But anyway, I don't recall any uh, any uh, kind of cone lubricant that, that uh, helped. You could, you know, helped you get the cones unstuck. But we also didn't have paper wrappers. So anyway, this may be more arcane cone yeah knowledge then people are ready for shall we go to viewer mail yes let's go to viewer mail big bad look throw our lure reel us in with your viewer mail uh, chris writes hi rebecca and steve i smiled hearing that rebecca and your daughter visited my hometown Spooky Nook is an amazing facility where my niece has played basketball and now plays lacrosse, and my nephew plays soccer there. It was also the home of the U.S. national field hockey team for a long time. Also, it is pronounced... Lancaster. Lancaster. Yes. I pronounced it probably Lancaster. 
as as anybody would if you were unfamiliar with the pronunciation. I mean, we're we're Ofer. Well, you got Manalapin correct, but I got Lancaster wrong. Here is a video, writes Chris, with the correct pronunciation made to help Bradley Cooper, who could not pronounce it correctly in the movie Joy. Apparently, Bradley Cooper's character in the movie Joy lives in Lancaster, but pronounces it Lancaster. Well, let's hear it. Hear what, the video? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to be able you, to hear All I have to do is play it, and well, they'll hear it, too. Well, I mean... Well, this is so... Uh, this is... Let's hear it. Bradley, Bradley, Bradley of the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Coopers. It's Lancaster. It's Lancaster. 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 You say it fast and you add a kiss. Lancaster. You say Lancaster. it fast and you add a kiss. Okay, so. Lancaster. Lancaster. Uh, finally, Rebecca mentioned seeing a road sign with a carriage and horse. This is to warn drivers that the Amish drive their horse and buggies on the road. If you're lucky, you might have dominoes delivered that way. By the way, that is a joke. The Amish don't deliver dominoes, but yet here is a horse and buggy, uh, buggy with a Domino's logo on the side. That's great. Thank you, Chris. In Lancaster. There you go. Gail writes, Steve and Rebecca won. I was not a rural juror. Oh, this is Gail, our jury duty. Nice. Juror. I was not a rural juror. I was called to jury service for the city of Houston. The courthouse is in downtown Houston, just blocks from Minute Maid Park. I was cattle called into a large room, sat in said room for three hours, during which time I read Leadership in Turbulent Times by Doris Kearns Goodwin, was thanked for my service and told I could leave. Three hours of, uh, of uninterrupted reading time during which I was provided free coffee? That's basically a vacation in my opinion. Do you think they'd let you bring in a cooler with your own creamer? Because if so, then go ahead and call me for jury duty again. I'll well, go in with a good book, my own creamer, if they provide the free coffee. I mean, I know I'm not in Houston, but I assume it's they'd also give free coffee in uh, in the Hartford court system. And then and then you would be called for a child custody case that would be made into a movie called Creamer versus Creamer. <laughs> oh good heavens. Oh these are endless. The supply of them is endless and I am the lucky fortunate one with ears to hear them. <laughs> can, can we just marinate in that one for a while? We're marinating. Okay. Two, uh, I was told by my second grader that he too is in the school play and to buy him a green shirt because he was photosynthesis. <laughs> Come on. That's so <laughs> wonderful. Oh, enjoy. I'm jealous that your play is upcoming and ours is in our rearview mirror. The mystery behind the school play is increasing by the day, right, Scale? Three, I am working on procuring the queso recipe for you. Thanks to Denny Ooh, and the fine doctor. This for is the, the queso in the, uh, in the crock pot. We talked about it last week. I only know that because I listened. Uh, crock pot queso. Mm -hmm. You know what? That's what Tom, Dick, and Harry need to do. They need to write a song called Crock Pot Queso to the tune of Jukebox Hero. Or they can Crock just do... Pot Queso. I still feel like Corporate Mumbo oh, Jumbo needs a... Corporal Mumbo Jumbo. Oh, Corporate Mumbo Jumbo. <laughs> yes, Corporal Mumbo Jumbo. Next viewer mail comes from... this. These Where do these go, Rebecca? Bald and Chain... Pod at gmail.com. Ball and chain pod at gmail.com. Right? Right? You're the one with them right in front of you. All you have to do is look. Correct. But is that correct? Ball and chain pod at gmail.com. Well, these are incoming. With it. I'm not sending them out to my own email. I don't see where oh, they No. Like click on. It says to me. Right. But if you click on the me. Ball and chain pod at gmail.com. Okay. Right? There we go. Excuse me. By the way, we, I won't say from whom, but we got an ominous text this week. Uh, from somebody, text? an uh, ominous text, ominous. Mm -hmm. uh, asking uh, what the Gmail address was for viewer mail because somebody asking for a friend wanted to send a email. An email. So but, uh, yeah. we don't have one. We, from, we've been from one we have people. not been great about giving out the the Gmail address every pod. We need to make sure to do that. We don't want to keep it a secret, do we? Or do we? You tell me. You're the one who reads them. Should we grandfather in these various? If you're a mailers and, and then leave everybody else uh, out. In the <laughs> Return to sender. Returning to sender. Hi, Stephen Rebecca writes, Ed, our, uh, our BNC resident patent attorney. Hello, Ed. From Ashton, Maryland. I hope I'm pronouncing Ashton correctly. Now I'm, I'm worried every time I pronounce A-S-H-T-O-N. It's actually pronounced Ashton. Ashton. 
Ashton. Ashton. I'm halfway through the thoroughfare episode, and I want to tell you, Rebecca, that you are not at fault for the pod being on hiatus in recent weeks. You and Steve have provided tons of entertainment for us over the last few years. You owe us nothing. <laughs> and that's precisely what we're giving you, Ed. <laughs> exactly. Well, we deliver. Darn it. Absolutely. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a buggy with Domino's logo on the side. That's Your right. show is all about real life in all its glory. And sometimes life gets in the way. Keep up the good work when you can. Well, thank you, Ed, for permission and we'll, to... And we'll keep up the bad work the rest of the time. Yes. <laughs> Second, I don't watch a ton of TV, and I don't subscribe to many streaming services. But, Rebecca, if you're going to be on Girls 5 Eva, I'm going to look into it. Not I'm going to watch it. I'm going to consider watching he's going to cons- it. He's going to look into it. Ed writes, I love Sarah Bareilles. I've seen her live, and I've seen Waitress. Hey, if you're going to be on, this may seal the deal. I wonder, you know what? What would put Ed over the top? He loves Sarah Bareilles. He's a apparently an admirer of yours, and and these two elements are coming together, in a in a in a show uh, that he's he's considering streaming. Yeah. Do you know if there's an episode devoted to patents? <laughs> if there is, I'll find out. And that would, you're right. That would tip any, the scales. Any episode that hinges on an arcane uh, legal uh, uh, pivot. Regarding or it takes place in Ashton. Just let's just say it does. Okay. Joan uh, writes. Hello, Joan. Hello, Joan. Greetings from Joan in Connecticut. Writes Joan in Connecticut. Haven't written in a while, but still listen every week, and definitely miss when you take a break. While driving home and listening yesterday, I heard Rebecca list the heights of each member of your family, and I was adding it up in my head as she spoke. Mm. Okay. Let's see dish, dish, she, dish, she and do Joan and Mark let's see. have the same math aptitude? Joan writes, I came up with 37 feet 3 inches. It's the same as Mark. That's That must be the right number. Now we have it corroborated. Must be. Yes. I love numbers and I'm usually accurate, but since I was also driving while computing, I figured I'd better check in my phone's calculator when I got home. I had to find the part of the podcast where she listed the heights so I could hear it again, and I was actually correct. 37 feet, 3 inches total. So that's it's official. You were correct. Yes. Thank you. And now we'll, we'll, we'll measure the dogs as soon as this podcast wraps, and, and then we'll, we'll throw out another math problem next week. Do we go snout to tip of the tail? How do you measure a dog, or is it like brow to... To uh, wherever the tail 500, starts. <laughs> 565,300 minutes. That's how we do How it. do you measure? Measure a dog. Nope. Creamer versus creamer was better. I'm not trying to top yourself. Top or, uh, that, that one or, you're or not going to top today. Bottom myself. What's pardon? That one you're not going to top today. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, what, what were we talking about? Oh, measuring a dog. How do you measure yes. measure a dog? Actually, is it, you is it her snout email. to tail? Yeah, is it snout to the tip of the tail? Or is or it, is like it vice versa? <laughs> to the uh, beginning of the tail. I don't know. Uh, or do you do it like you do a grown a human? Not a grown-up, but a human. Do you do like the bottom of the paw to the to the, the top, top, the height? I don't know. I don't know. Seasons of love. I think that's how you do it. Okay. I'm, I've lost my okay I love numbers and I'm okay when we read that I figured I'd better okay we read that part this, this was exactly the kind of thing writes Joan from Connecticut I love and most people don't exactly the kind of thing I love and most people don't adding uh, I guess yes no yes it, it, what, what would be the, exactly the kind of thing you love and most people don't I, I, I would I would say me is something that you love no, that, that most that, people don't? No, that you love that most people Oh, I'm definitely something that I love that most people don't. Oh. Yes, both would be accurate. Okay. Uh, so I hope you're not inundated with a bunch of the same responses. Not sure how many. No, most of our viewers can't add. Correct. To judge by the responses. Not sure how many more inches your two youngest will gain in the coming years, but feel free to contact me when the time comes for a final Russian total. We will do that. We'll just get a group email going with with Joan and Mark Simon. Happy spring to all your resident casino gal, Joan from Connecticut. Thank you, Joan. Our next Gmail comes from the aforementioned Mark. Hello, Mark. 
Mark Simon writes, Hi, Happiness Lane residents. I was watching the clip of the Giannis press conference after the Bucks got eliminated by the Heat. For those that didn't see it, a reporter asked Giannis if he considered the season a failure, and Giannis gave a great response that spoke to the silliness of labeling a season a failure. Uh, personal observation, this is from Mark. The question, how will you remember this season or this team, has been a go-to for many uh, for many years and on many projects. Uh it is far more effective than putting a word like failure in and trying to lead the athlete or coach to a socially viral answer. From the, well, let me just address that before we get to Mark's the rest of Mark's email. Uh, the reporter in question was not saying that the season was a failure, though many, many uh, athletes have said many times over the years that they considered their season a failure for not having advanced in the playoffs for not having won the championship i've heard it many times so it it and and so you're saying it's a fair question well if, not only is it a fair question it is self-evidently a good question because it it elicited a thoughtful heartfelt human uh, response from Giannis. I, I don't imagine if the reporter was trying to go viral in Mark's um, phrase. I didn't. I didn't see that. But um, but it was. It was. It was. This is how journalism works. You know. You're and and then and then people on social media can you know can uh, uh, deride the reporter for for asking the question. But the question was what elicited the response from Giannis. And I don't know for a fact, but my guess is that Giannis has respect for that reporter who he knows, who he said, you know, you asked the same thing last year. And Giannis had clearly thought about it, remembered it, and delivered a thoughtful but also respectful answer in which he said, you know, I don't I, I, I'm sorry for making for uh, I don't want to make it personal, you know, but he said, you know, do you get a promotion every year from in your job? No. Do you, you know, does that make it that you're a failure? Of course not. You know, you're doing it to provide for your family, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, Mark adds, from that, I pivot to something slightly adjacent, a question for both of you. You've both interviewed a considerable number of athletes in your careers. What is your favorite question and answer moment with an athlete? Meaning you asked the thoughtful question and they gave a thoughtful answer. That's from Mark. Rebecca, nice guy. Give the floor to you. Hmm. Mine would be, if we can extend it to coaches, almost any time I've done a sit-down interview with Coach Oriema, which I get to do usually at least once, sometimes twice a year, preseason and then um, I almost always go up there right before the tournament starts and I get 45 minutes to just sit and ask him questions and get answers. And um, he's always incredibly thoughtful and um, says really, really interesting um, stuff that extends beyond basketball. So um, I'd have to give a little more thought to if there's an athlete who's who I've really enjoyed. Um, asking questions and he enjoying their answers, but he, every year he Coach Oriama never disappoints when it comes to just sitting down and getting really, really great, thoughtful answers from questions. In my experience, you can ask what you think is a great question that you've memorized in advance um, and get a cookie cutter kind of answer, and you can ask an inane question that you've given no thought to and get an incredible answer. So it, it really depends on the, person. the answerer yeah, more right. than the asker, though there is definitely an art to asking questions and doing interviews. But one that pops immediately to mind is I did a long profile many, many years ago of then Detroit Tigers manager Sparky Anderson. And I had been around him enough at that point to know that he was uh, – had a Casey Stengel-like facility for mangling the English language in a kind of delightful way. And I said to him in his office at Tiger Stadium, old Tiger Stadium, I said, and I don't know if he had given this any thought. I don't think he had. 
it's just what he said. And I, I said, you, 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 you have an interesting way with the English language, Sparky. It's not even a question. And his response, which was in the story, and to, to this day is one of, one of the most, if not the most incredible answer I've gotten from anybody on anything. And, and, and it's, it specifically delighted me more than I'm sure any readers. He laughed and he said, uh, I truly don't know the language. Uh, if I'm, he said, there are three twos. There's T-O, there's T-W-O, and there's T-O-O, T-O-T-O-O. There's three twos. He said it's like there and there. T-H-E-I-R, T-H-E-R-E, T-H-E-Y, apostrophe If I'm writing a letter to you, what difference does it make how I spell it as long as you know there's a there there? And the three twos and there's a there there, and it, it was just, it, it just, uh, it was one of the happier moments of my life hearing Sparky say that stuff. And it was, and it wasn't a good question. It wasn't even a question. But had I not said, made the observation that you have an interesting way with the language, he, he could have ignored it. He could have uh, objected to it. Instead, he said something to me that just completely encapsulated him and and delighted me. Sorry to go from like a happy part of it to, to something else, but one of my pet peeves lately, watching um, watching games on TV, and I was a sideline reporter for a lot of years. Being Sideline reporting is the hardest thing I've done. It's harder than calling a game. It's harder than being a studio analyst. Sideline reporting is the most challenging part is asking a good question because you've got this really short amount of time. You have to ask a good question right after a game. You have to ask the right question. I don't think there's anybody better than Holly Rowe. Doris Burke was amazing when she would do it on the NBA Finals. But a pet peeve of mine, and it seems to be happening a, a lot lately, is when reporters like take the first, especially if it's an in-game interview with a coach or something, which you get to do, I think, at the end of the first and third quarter of NBA games, taking 15 seconds to spout everything they know and then before getting to their question just ask the question first of all no coach wants to answer those questions and i, and I don't imagine the sideline reporters want to ask them those in-game ones are no, always no true comfortable and, and unlikely to elicit a, a you know thoughtful it, response what it kind of reminds me of a little bit is i still inexplicably get people who will send me um trading cards or pictures that they want me to sign and there must be like a formula because many of the the letters include a full page where they tell me all of my accomplishments from from college well, and understand. like you did this you did this you did this you did this, all of these things and then fi finish with will you please sign my card whereas if they just wrote will you please sign my card it's going to be the same response that's what those you, you, you are, interviews remind me of somebody just saying like you guys led the league and this, 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 boom, 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 ba, 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 before you get to the question. Like, I don't, are people trying to prove all the information they have in their head well, while asking this question? You know, from, well, first of all, I think the uh, autograph seekers are, are, you're reaching the age now where they, they think it's uh, wise to remind you of who you are. Right, that's what, true. I might need that reminder. Fair enough. But uh, as, a, as a former sideline reporter, you knew from, know from when you were doing it because I remember when you were doing it and, and sometimes complaining about it, you don't always get in or get on the air or get on the broadcast, sometimes right. more than others. And, and so when you do, I understand the impulse to say something. It's the worst, though, because how it works, when they show these interviews, they show them right as the fourth quarter started, as right as the second quarter started, but you're actually conducting the interview with the coach as soon as the first quarter ends or as soon as the third quarter ends, so before they get into their huddle. Worst case scenario, they've already sat down because their media person didn't grab them. You have to then pull them out of their huddle to do this interview. It's all they want to do is be sitting there talking to their team. Coaches, and some are really good about it. Um, and You know, when I watch NBA, I'm, I'm like, they're terrific answering these questions. So it's it's a tough position already for the sideline reporter to put it, be put in. But anyway, that's just my little pet peeve. Like, get to the question already. 
You demand answers. I, do, I, I want the answer. I don't care about the question. But you also don't care about the answer because yeah, it's going enough. to be That's usually pretty true. Uh, completely pro forma. Alfred writes, hello, Rebecca and Steve. I'm going to jump straight into consistent enumeration. One, very early in our journey toward coffee snobbery, Elizabeth and I would spend a lot of time in a place called the Java House in our eventual hometown of Cedarburg. Cedarburg, is that in Pennsylvania? Or possibly Sadarburg. If it's a burg, I'm guessing it's in Pennsylvania or Ohio. Uh, I have fond memories of sipping Ethiopian Yirgachev. Ethiopian. <laughs> Ooh, Cedarburg's in Wisconsin, it looks Ethiopian like. Ethiopian Yirgachev. Now, he, he helpfully provides a, a, a pronunciation key. Y-U-R hyphen G-U-H hyphen C-H-E-F. What I don't know is, is the chef part pronounced like a chef? Like Chef Boyardee? Yeah. Or is it chef? Let's go with the former. Okay. Of sipping Ethiopian yoga chef with, with the friendly barista guiding us and our inexperienced coffee palates. We learned to discern the notes of blueberry, blueberry, which we called bloobs, pronounced bloobs in a way that rhymes with the impolite term for the pair of anonymical uh, features on a woman's chest. Okay, we get it, B-L-U, he, now he has a straight line over the U, okay? So that's another pronunciation key. Okay. So to discern the notes of blueberry, blueberry, uh, interesting. Yurgachev, I can't, Burger Chef. that's what I'm thinking of, Burger Chef. The, the uh, fast food chain, did you ever eat of the Burger Chef? No, never. Ever hear of a Burger Chef? Never. Did you ever he hear of Ethiopian Yerga Chef? Why would you go to Burger Chef if the king is just down the street? Would you rather have to prepare your burger, a chef or a king? Right, well, depends. Is he king of burger preparing? No, he's, he's, he's royalty. You've seen the crown. That's true. Given anyway, the, there's got to be more to this. Got to be more to what, life? No, this letter that you're not reading. Well, B, another memorable coffee experience was the blue bottle of the old was the Blue Bottle, capital B's, at the old Mint Street location in San Francisco. They would offer special methods and varieties at a specific time in the afternoon. People would form a line around the block in anticipation. Inside the shop, it was bright and airy. Think like early Apple store, but for coffee. Mm, I like. Did, did they have a, a, genius a genius bar? Genius baristas, perhaps? Mm, maybe. Did they, did they have a, oh, never mind. Keep going. They had a big, long table big long tall table that everyone could share and they had the greatest little bakery treats that paired perfectly with the coffee the one that comes to mind to mind was the sesame absinthe cigars sesame hyphen absinthe cigars cigars and coffee you pair cigars with coffee which were little cigar shaped biscotti style treats oh. that were great for dunking <laughs> that sounds a little bit more like it okay Sadly, I, and now I wish they were uh, absinthe-flavored cigars that you that you paired with coffee. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that was, we have had one. Now we've had B. Mm -hmm. This is Roman numeral three. All right. On the topic of underwhelming slogans like competent healthcare, I offer the slogan for the coffee shop in Sadarburg that we now go to most often. They are great roasters. What burg are they in now? Sadarburg. Cedarburg. Oh, same as before. Same as before. Uh, they are great roasters. We buy almost all of our whole bean coffee from them. Great baristas and great bakers. And yet their slogan is, above average coffee. <laughs> well, they're Midwestern. Uh, as far as we know, right? Are there multiple Cedarbergs? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. But the, the one that, ca that came up first and through 10 was, no, just Cheers, Alfred of Alfred and Elizabeth, coffee snob and mostly completionist. P.S. Thanks for switching to the Paul DeResta way of saying a Mercedes. We love it. Nice. Thank you, Alfred and uh, Elizabeth. Now we go to Rich. Hello, Rich. Rich is in Texas. In Texas. Greetings from Texas, writes Rich. Your discussion about Long Island teas last week reminded me of a funny family story. Now, Long Island teas was your go-to tipple at one time. Say that one more time. Long Island teas were oh, your yes. go-to tipple yes. at one time. We talked about that last right. podcast. Yes. You feel you feel self-conscious about that? No, not at all. Just want to move on, okay? They were delicious. Okay. And uh, dangerous. Yes, delicious and dangerous. Mm-hmm. 
In the mid-80s, I traveled with my parents to visit some family friends that lived in New Jersey. It was our first time in that part of the country, so naturally the itinerary included a day trip to New York City. After a busy morning of seeing the sights, it was time to grab some lunch. When the server stopped to welcome us, my dad, who wasn't a big drinker, proudly ordered <laughs> a Long Island iced tea. Having grown up in the South, I'm sure he thought it was just their local spin on the sweet tea that we had with every meal back home. But as a seasoned college student, I obviously knew that it was actually what, what it actually was and immediately told him he should probably stick with water or a diet soda. We had a good laugh about it later. I can only imagine how the afternoon would have gone if he had a few Long Island iced teas with his meal. Now, have Dad drink a few Long Island iced teas, assuming they were regularized teas, and then mm. turn them loose in Times Square. That would have been fun. Oh, my gosh. Just you wouldn't even need more than one. Regards, Rich. Thank you, Rich. Um, yeah, what, what's in a Long Island iced tea? Is there iced tea in it? I don't think so. The whole point is that it's like a mixture of a bunch of different um, liquors. Let's let me look it up. That's the point of most cocktails, is it not? Yeah, but this one, it's it's a mixture of a bunch of liquors. It's not what, like one liquor plus other stuff. Do we know what, what, what makes it the the Long Island bit? Was it invented on Long Island? Does it does it make you? Okay, uh, you want to hear what's in it? Speak with a Long Island accent. What? G o m m e syrup. I don't know how to pronounce that. Tequila, white rum, lemon juice, triple sec, cola, vodka, gin. So vodka, gin, white rum, and tequila. Ugh. It sounds awful when you say it like that, and yet it sounds like, like it sounds like they they, they just uh, a ring a wet bar rag into a into a glass Pretty and much. put a straw in it. Yeah, but they're when they're done right, they're done well. Done right, just done like well. me when I was drinking them. Dangerous <laughs> and delicious, yes. Dear RNS, writes Tom, I have no idea what the question mark was doing in last week's email, though I am now considering making stray punctuation marks a feature of future emails. Southern California does have a high desert and a low desert. The high desert is north of Los Angeles and is called that because it is at an elevation of 2,000 feet and up. The most famous place in the high desert is probably Edwards Air Force Base, where Chuck Yeager became the first person to break the sound barrier and where the space shuttle used to land. The low desert, meanwhile, is the area around Palm Springs, which is much closer to sea level and, we are, and where you were more likely to cross paths with the Rat Pack than with test pilots. Because of the elevation differences, the deserts have different climates and Los Angeles TV weathermen always have to differentiate between the high and low deserts when giving forecasts. That's interesting. That is interesting. Uh, what I love about Los Angeles uh, area forecasts. What do you love? I, I like it when they refer to, uh, they, they refer to um, the, uh, the Inland Empire. I love it when they refer to the, uh, the marine layer. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? The marine layer is fog. I don't know what you were referring to with the Inland Empire. Um, these are just names of uh, areas of, of, of the Los Angeles oh. uh, metroplex. Oh, okay. Those are two things that I enjoy. The Santa Ana winds, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, any references to Sepulveda or La Brea? Mm hmm Are you going to be in Los Angeles for the WNBA opener? I am, May 19th. It's uh, Phoenix at L.A. And then two days later, May 21st, is Phoenix's home opener. Of course, the reason, the, well, not the reason. Yeah, the reason we're doing those games is because it's Brittany Griner's first game and uh, her first home game. That's great, but will you watch the local TV weather while you're out there <laughs> for me? I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was a question that was just meant to lead you to lead you to. Yes, I will. Our friend, the espresso-making Benedictine monk, is also is the monastery's... Rebecca, fill in, fill in this uh, Mad Lib. Our, our friend, the espresso-making Benedictine monk, is also the monastery's noun. Say that one more time. Our friend, the espresso-making Benedictine monk, yes. referred to on last week's podcast, Correct. is also the monastery's... Gardener. Close. All right, let me guess again. This gives people Very at home close. time to play along. Um, fill in the blank is also the, the monastery making monk. chef. Oh, just missed it. Okay, um, give me one more try because, again, this gives our listeners and viewers a chance to think of it on their own as well. How many letters is the word? Uh, it's seven letters. Um, 
Um, not a chef, not a gardener, but a... But a bartender. That's, that's so obvious. Hmm? Our friend, the Benedict Espresso Making Benedict Monk, is also the monastery's harpist. <laughs> oh, of course. I was close. And has a medical degree, in addition to teaching at the Archdiocese's seminary. Now, Archdiocese, possessive, comma, apostrophe, yes, is, is hard, to, uh, hard to pronounce. Archdiocese's seminary. Okay. Would it be archdiocese? Are there archdiocese's? Gotcha. Seminary. Don't get annoyed with me. I'm not getting annoyed with you. I'm just. I, it's one of those one of those phrases like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse right, that, right, that I'm having right. difficulty with. Bex Redman, the director of the play Gruesome of the Bex Redman, the mm-hmm. director of the play Gruesome Playground, Gruesome Playground Injuries, which we just mentioned we last week. Last week, yeah. Bex Redman, the director of the play. This is this is the tongue twistingest uh, Gmail in recent memory. Rebecca, mm-hmm. Bex Redman, the director of the play Gruesome Playground Injuries, is a woman, though nice. her bio in the program doesn't specify if Bex is a derivation of any other name. Could be Rebecca, right? Could yeah, sure. And as a former employee of Nabisco, which if nothing else sharpened my focus on all things cookie and cracker, I think, Steve, you sold the Nutter Butter jingle short a few syllables. As I recall, it was have another Nutter Butter peanut butter sandwich cookie. That is exactly what it was. And I think it said by Nabisco, have another Nutter Butter peanut butter sandwich cookie from Nabisco, I think is what what it actually said. Okay. Uh, Nabisco, it makes me think, um, if you'd worked for Keebler, Mm -hmm. the giant tree be working in a giant tree oh right much like the is it the berenstain bears elves. elves pardon keebler's it's elves you know but they live in a tree who, who lives in a tree it's not the do the berenstain bears live in a tree i think so i'm not sure do, do bears are tree dwelling they're tree climbing animals? tom sincerely bears he doesn't say sincerely, he signed tom definitely in clayton missouri bears climb trees but they live in dens don't they? Bears live in dens, right? right? Like, yeah, like with a with a, 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 a big giant bear falling asleep in a tree. With like a with like a like a uh, like like uh, a little architectural drawing desk and a in a couch like like in, like you talking about the den? Like yeah, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Brady's den. Yes. By the way, early adopter of the home office. He went to an office, but he had his own own oh, home true. home that's office, true. which was I think was unusual for the time, right? I think you're right. But shall we uh, wrap this up with Dr. Gary Siegel? As we always do, yes. Let's do it. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Siegel, I was so worried during these past few weeks when there was a podcast drought that I began to fear that illness or misfortune had befallen the Russian family. Heaven forbid. How relieved was I to hear that my other worry, that Rebecca had been taken by aliens to do a TV show, was not terribly off base. (laughs) Thank heavens that all is well, and you're kindly back entertaining us for an hour of respite each week. With no further ado, I have a full list to cover. Actually, Rebecca, can I can I give one further ado? One further bit of ado? Sure. We finally retrieved from our P.O. box a uh, some swag of our own that, w- that was sent to us. Not of our own, but it is now our own. Mm-hmm. From, from uh, St. Michael's College hockey coach, our resident hockey coach. Yeah. Uh, Coach DeJulian at St. Michael's College. Uh, uh, Beautiful um, uh, St. Michael's T-shirts. Go Purple Knights. Mm -hmm. Thank you for those. Thank you. And uh, congrats on what looks like was a great season. They made it to the uh, Northeast 10 uh, championship game. Awesome. And uh, so we'll wear those proudly. And thank you. Thanks very much for those. We appreciate them. One, writes Dr. Siegel, Rebecca, thank you for your concern about my hands. Early on in medical training, many of us who are surgeons and probably many doctors who aren't do make the realization that their hands should avoid dangerous places and or tools. And in that regard, I've never picked up a chainsaw and have perhaps used the circular saw to cut lumber once or twice in my life. Although I've certainly used the handsaw numerous times, having obtained one in high school from the family hardware store in which I worked. I forget what what I didn't like that Dr. Siegel was doing because I thought it was was dangerous for his... For his hands. He was taking out the trash, so now Mrs. Siegel does that. It wasn't that. I've even inherited my father's old handsaw and hammer, among other tools, and they're of good quality and are used to this day. 
Some of us get our father's hands. Dr. Siegel got his father's hand saws. Yes. Two, his, his father was a Civil War surgeon. That's why he has uh, rusty hand saws <laughs> that he passed along. Two, during the podcast, you lamented about the middle of nowhere medical facility, which advertised competent care. Sadly, the business of medicine has gotten in the way of the medicine of medicine, and old timers like yours truly can only soldier on and take care of people as best we, as we can. The business of medicine has gotten in the way of the medicine of medicine. I bet oh, that's it a has. Great yes. phrase. Kudos to a medical school classmate of mine who is a fine Southern gentleman and a breast surgeon, as after he saw my 92-year-old mother-in-law for a benign issue, he kindly sent her a short thank you note, which meant the world to her. Now, that is some old school doctoring, Rebecca. It is, yes. Three, you and the viewers humble me when terms such as Iron Man and a reference to Cal Ripken Jr. are made regarding my notes to the podcast. I am honored and hope that these notes add a bit of goodness to the already great podcast. Well, more than that, they... They, uh, they what, Rebecca? They're one of the anchors, the pillars of the podcast. They're weighing us down, holding no, us in place? No, they help anchor the nonsense in between the cold open and, and everything else. They're both an anchor and a pillar. Yes, a heavy pillar. <laughs> a staunch anchor. Interestingly, not interestingly, but you can use a pillar as an anchor, but I don't think you can use an anchor as a pillar. Pillar is also the way um, people in, uh, in Boston pronounce pillow. <laughs> okay. A local convenience store limited to the South Racetrack with a C, T-R-A-C, has very good coffee that is made in self-service machine while you wait and a fine selection of creamers and sweeteners. Uh, this the beginning of this was Rebecca. I too enjoy gas station coffee as it is good, fresh, and well, not as pricey as fancy places. Uh, I don't know if you've tried good old half and half creamer as a creamer, but well, it's awfully good. Your dad is a big half and half guy as a as a yes, creamer, right? Yes, I used to use half and half as a creamer. Now you use whole and whole, correct? That's right. No, ours is a uh, oat. It's an oat. It's milk. a non dairy, right? Yeah, correct. Five, you both tickled me with your live-action attempt at calculating the combined height of your family and subsequently subcontracting that out to, say, a calculator or an iPhone, on, an, on an iPhone or a viewer with accounting skills. That seems wise. Your family collective excels at athletics, grammar, trivia, writing, and vocabulary. Perhaps best to stick to those strengths. During the podcast, I calculated virtually instantaneously that 40 feet divided by six people was an average height of six feet, uh, six and two-thirds feet, i.e. six feet, eight inches of height. Well, then that, that can't possibly be... Uh, what we are, right, Rebecca? Right. We're, we're, we're 37 feet, 3 inches, we now know. 6, well, minus the dogs. Right. 6, since nut butters were referenced in the podcast, and since our daughter is peanut allergic, I've come to enjoy almost almond butter, especially chocolate almond butter, when I have oatmeal. Our daughter buys the fancy stuff at Whole Foods for our visits, and we use the more serviceable and pedestrian product that is from Target, whose home base is Minneapolis, of course. Of course. Of course. Accounting for Target Field and Target Center, among many other Target references in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. Seven, since the two of you had a small contretemps over Steve's use of the speakerphone, I ask, what do you think of people who walk around with AirPods in their ears in various situations, not, in not including exercise, of course? What do you think of them, Rebecca? This is what I think of them. Are you one of them? No. When we went to our daughter's show... Um, or her play. We were in the lobby waiting to go and be seated, and our second oldest, our junior, had her, she has like over-the-ear headphones. She just had them on her neck because she was listening to them in the car. I don't know why she didn't take them off and leave them in the car, but they were around her neck, and I told her, I said, take those off. And she said, I'm not listening to anything. I said, yes, but you look silly. Take them off hold them in your hand or whatever, but you're not going to walk around with them around your neck. So I am, and this is part mostly because it was a Chris Daly rule when I played at UConn, but if you're out in public walking around, we were not allowed to have uh, at those time, at that time, like any kind of, um, what were they even called then? Just any kind of earphone, <laughs> headset, headphone, what the heck were they called? They were called headphones. Headphones, yes, headphone. We weren't allowed to have any headphones on if we sat like if we were in an airport we, when we sat down we were allowed to put them on and listen to music but we weren't allowed to like walk around in public with those on so um 
I think that answers his question. I think so. Eight, baby report Thursday to Monday night. Four babies, all vaginal deliveries, one after a prior C-section, which is great, with three clustered over five hours Sunday night into early Monday morning. Three and five hours, Rebecca. That's a lot. Feels like. Maybe it's not, but. I was fortunate to catch up on missed sleep and type away at my typical Monday evening time. Two boys, one circumcision. Final score. One to one. Two boys, one circumcision. One to one. One to one. Two boys, one circumcision. Yes. You said, what's the final score? No, I just said, that's the final score. Oh, I thought you said, what's the final score? It's one to one. One circumcision to one uncircumcised. Nine, it's a draw. Nine, (laughs) Formula One report. Steve, keep up the Scottish pronunciation of Mark Schrader as a fine tribute to many Scots, including but not limited to the late double world champion Jim Clark, triple world champion Sir John Young, Jackie Stewart, who is still prominent in the sport at 82, the guy I recognized as the epitome of Formula One driving when I was a kid because he was always on Wide World of Sports, Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Former McLaren driver, race winner and broadcaster, David Coulthard, and of course, former driver, Paul DeResta. Race news, McLaren brought major upgrades to Baku, Azerbaijan, and were faster after a dismal first three races, but Red Bull Racing remains around a second a lap faster than everyone else. Sergio Checo Perez won the race with reigning and double world champion Max Verstappen finishing in second. The weekend featured a new, exciting, and slightly confusing spring qualifying format, but alas, the Red Bulls ran away from the rest of the field. I do believe, Rebecca, that the next race is in Miami. Oh, nice. Ten, lastly attached, please find two relevant pictures, a White Castle sign I photographed during recent travel, and a four-pack of Nutter Butter cookies that are found in the doctor's lounge. So there is indeed a White Castle. Uh, looks like in a in a lovely garden spot along a highway, and a and a, a look an individual individually uh, wrapped a four pack of Nutter Butter cookies. Nice. Forward those to me. I'll post them. Uh, I will. And uh, you know, thank we've we've run way long in this podcast, Rebecca. Uh, we've we've used lots of words to say absolutely nothing, and um, that's it. But I think we said nothing well. We've 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 said it. We well. are good at nothing. For Denny Gallagher, Tom DeCari, please play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane